Hi, welcome to Conversations with Elizabeth Johnston. I'm your host, Elizabeth, and I am so excited about our guest today. I am interviewing Joshua Broom. Joshua was once one of the top five male porn stars in the world. Why am I interviewing him? <laughs> because he is a husband, father, and minister of the gospel who wants people to know the depth of God's mercy and forgiveness. Joshua, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to be here. I'm glad that finally our schedules aligned and it worked out yes. and we can do this. Yes. Joshua, what in the world has happened this year in your life? I Whoa. <laughs> I have watched you um, just get these huge opportunities in front of very large audiences like um, Candace Owens show and Tucker Carlson. It is so exciting to see how God is using just the uh, brokenness and the ashes and the sin of your former life before you became a new creature in Christ and is putting this microphone in front of you to minister the gospel. What has this journey been like? Uh, it, it's been long. <laughs> it's been long because I'm someone who I want to jump in. I want to be the best. I want to go fast. And um, I'm sure you can attest to this, you know, that the, the journey that God has us on, um, it, it's a, it's a deep dive and it's a slow haul. And when we try to go too fast, uh, more often than not, we, we miss something along the way. And for me, I'm just so thankful that I've had people in my life that have provided great mentorship and, you know, gave, gave me a kick in the tail when I need it. And also encouraged me when, uh, mm -hmm. things weren't going as well as I thought they should, because I mean, I've been doing this for about seven years and there was a two year period where things were going really well. And then I, I got my dream job and then kind of me telling my story kind of fell at the wayside. And I think mm. in, in God's his, you know, Romans two, four, like, you know, he's talking about repentance is love and his patience. It leads us to repentance. And I truly needed to take ownership of my sin so that God could in, just untangle the pain and the trauma that was within me so that when he did when he's doing, you know, when, when he's, when he started to do what he's doing now, um, I was ready. Yes. If that makes sense, because yes. I think I was still, I was still broken to a certain degree. I was yeah. still traumatized to a, to a certain degree. I believed the lie that I, I didn't need uh, to go through like Christian counseling, but I did that. And there were just so yeah. many things where just still um, spiritually immature in a lot of ways. And I'm so thankful that he loves me enough to hold me back so that I, I didn't, you know, I don't want to do this for a short time. I want to do this for a long time. It's a marathon, not a sprint, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So let's go back several years uh, to the place where you're a young man, I, I believe uh, college age and tell us how in the world you ended up in the throes of the pornography industry. Yeah. So I was, I started modeling when I was 14 or 15. That started to go well. Um, it made sense for me to study. But not por for pornography. For no, 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 no. Just I, normal modeling. Yeah. Like 14, 15 year old. Right. Like I was, you know, doing like, you know, back in my time, like, uh, you know, uh, Ed Hardy, uh, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. You know, that, that was kind of my lane. But I was modeling and I was having some success, go to college, started studying theater, started doing, you know, take, taking some voice lessons because I, I grew up in a really small town in South Carolina. And, and I said, Winder and Mater and things like that. <laughs> and, <laughs> no way. Oh, yeah. I can't, oh, yeah. I can't hear that in you in, oh, yeah. in well, any way. Maybe the classes worked. <laughs> yeah. Lots of time. Like if the first time that my wife met my grandmother, um, she looked at me and she said, what did she say? <laughs> but, My grandmother said made her too. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I grew up in a small town in South Carolina, okay. but um, yeah, so I was studying theater and it was going okay, but I was in, I wasn't in college so that I could get an education so that I could do something with it. I thought the next step was to, you know, just 
continue getting better at my craft until the, until an opportunity presented itself. And I started to get some jobs and I thought, okay, well, um, I'm, I'm impatient. So if I put myself in closer proximity to mm-hmm. the industry that I want to be in, it makes sense. So it was either New York or LA and it's like LA, that's where I wanted to be. So I moved to Hollywood and within a few weeks I landed an agent. I, I landed a, a, both a modeling agent and an acting agent and things were going okay. Like not great. Like I wasn't killing it, but I was working, you know, at, at least once a month I was booking a job. I was consistently going on, on auditions. I was getting good feedback. I was growing in, in my ability. Um, and you know, while you're doing all that, you got to pay the bills too. So I was working at a restaurant and in that restaurant, I walked to a table full of girls and I thought I was going to, you know, put on my Southern charm and get a big tip and maybe get one of their numbers. But they invited me into the world of pornography and they asked me, Hey, do you want to be um, involved in acting? And I was like, absolutely. Because I thought that um, maybe they were working on a project or maybe um, they knew a casting director because so much of that is who do you know? And you know, yeah. if you can get yeah. someone to introduce you to someone that's, you know, that's so advantageous in, in your career. So, I, I was interested at first, and then all of a sudden I was confused but curious at the same time because I had seen pornography, but for me it's like it wasn't real. Um, like, you know, like I had seen pornography, but I didn't think like these people, these living, breathing people who were sitting there looking at me that did that for a living were asking me into their world. And it was just um, – so strange, but so interesting at the same time. And my curiosity got the best of me. And they, when they invited me to say, to meet their agent, I agreed. And I walked in that agent's office and he asked me a few questions that in retrospect, I can see were very manipulative. Um, how did you grow up? Why are you here? And what do you want to do? Right. So I, I grew up just with my mom. Uh, I, I'm here to, to act and I want to be famous. He's like, great. Um, you know, this guy, you know, I just, just hearing me say it, it's like, I hear insecurity. Um, uh, I, I I want to be loved. Um, I want to be seen and known. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he says, yeah, you know, you're a good looking guy. There's not a ton of good looking guys in the industry. And the Mm -hmm. fact that you can act, that's so beneficial because the industry is shifting and they're making these big films and you'll be the guy like you'll be able to be the guy in all these films. So you'll be famous. Everyone will know your name. You'll make a bunch of money. It'll be amazing. And I heard a counterfeit version of my actual dream. And for me, like I grew up without a dad and I also have like a huge per like as, as far as my personality, like I'm achiever in the 99th percentile right. so that is yeah so yeah so enfp if anyone knows the myers-briggs language <laughs> but um so for me being an extrovert and me being high achiever i thought that i needed to achieve my value i need to achieve something so that i could prove my worth so it was through scholastics. It was through sports. It was through getting the girl that no one else could. And those momentary, you know, bits of happiness or success or achievement, they they medicated for a moment the gaping hole in my heart. Right. And in that moment, I hear you're maybe you're just not good enough to really make it. Maybe this is as close as you'll get. Mm-hmm. And. I think those factors caused me to say yes to doing that one film, which I still thought at the time, like, okay, I'm going to do this and it's not going to be a big deal. I'll never do it again. And little did I know it within weeks had changed the trajectory of my life. Why didn't you quit immediately? Was it just the money? It was never the money because I mean, a, a lot of, a lot of people, like I didn't come from money. Like I, I grew up like in government housing, but yet my mom was, you know, my mom's amazing. So like I would have never known I didn't, we didn't have money because I always had what everyone around me did. I just didn't know my mom was working 80 hours to get it. Uh-huh. So, um, so I, I had a lot of success financially, but for me, 
I was my shame because I, because I did that, I became that. And that caused me to not see a future because if I'm a prostitute, mm -hmm. if, if I do prostitution, that's who I am. And in, and that is indicative of my value. How could I be a husband? How could I be a father? How, like, no one's going to take me serious in a business. There's no way that I could be a leader in any capacity. Wow. I don't have any gifts or talents because I have people around me saying the same things about themselves. And it's like, well, you've already done this. So you might as well do that. And that's just how your life's going to do. You know, that the, the hugest lie that I hear consistently, this is just who I am. That I believe that lie. This is just who I am. I'm just a prostitute. I sell myself from sex. You know, I sell myself for sex. That's just what I do. That's who I am. So, so there's once no the industry. Other... Once the industry has you, um, and you're out there in the public with yourself smeared all over the screen doing yeah. these unthinkable things, um, I guess there is a certain sense in which you are trapped. Yeah. I mean, it's, so it's being manipulated on a consistent basis from, you know, your agent and directors, but also like you completely lose yourself. You, you lose yourself and you lose yourself because of this, you know, Genesis two to Genesis three, you know, Genesis two, Adam and Eve, they were walking, they were naked. There were no shame. Genesis three, they sinned and they were hiding from God and they tried to cover up and you cover up because you're ashamed. And for me, the way I covered up was I pushed away anyone that I had a real relationship with. Because if if I had a, an authentic relationship with you, I'm now accountable to you. So I couldn't look you in the eye and do the things that I was doing. But if no one was in my life to hold me accountable, if everyone was calling me by a pseudonym, um, no one was calling me Joshua and everyone saw me as a prostitute. It didn't matter what I did. So I believed that my life didn't matter. What I did, you know, didn't matter. And how I lived didn't matter because my life didn't matter. And I was just stuck in this plausible reality created by lies and lies and shame and guilt and nothing mattered. So that's why I stayed because I believed it was either death or just continue living this really sad existence. So hearing your story, it's amazing that someone so extremely extroverted has now gone full introvert yeah. just because of being in bondage to sin, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, so the, sin the, 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 changes your personality. Yeah. I mean, because because you don't know who you are until you know whose you are. And you can't be who God created you to be until you know him. And like, and that is like at the root of my story, like second, you know, second Timothy three sixteen talks about all scriptures, God breathed and it's good for teaching and rebuking and reproof. So reproof is that word that I really needed. I needed to dismantle and destroy the lies that I'd believed about myself, mm -hmm. the lies that I believed about other people, the lies that I believed about God. I had to tear them down and destroy them so that I could rebuild this new life based on truth because everything that i believed was a lie but if you believe a lie long enough that lie becomes true yeah let me ask you a question as someone you know we have people listening who don't watch pornography they don't know that world okay um and for those who have not seen what's going on in the industry with their own eyes Answer me this. Are children being trafficked in the pornography industry? I mean, so yes. I mean, the, the, the fact is yes. I mean, the data is out there. It's happening. And what people don't see is because of culture being over-sexualized, porn's not a big deal. And if porn's not a big deal, sexting's not a big deal. If sexting's not a big deal, sexual assault's not a big deal. If sexual assault's not a big deal, Rape's not a big deal. And all of a sudden, we've built a culture around the lie that sex is just this thing that happens between two people when they, they get together, and it's yeah. it's not defined from a biblical context. So, yeah, I, like that's why suicide is so prevalent. That's why the girls that are in the industry, even when they get out, they believe that they're not valuable. They end up in relationships with people who abuse them. Yeah. Like murder in the industry 
like girls that get out of the industry, they end up either taking their own life, overdosing, or being in relationships where they're abused to the point of death. And the numbers are astronomical when people are like, oh, like it's not happening that much. Well, if it's 150 out of 2000, that's pretty astronomical. How many women do you know in the industry who have committed suicide? 30. 30, 30 people women. that I knew their real name. I shook their real hand. I looked them in the eye and And the worst part about that is that <clears throat> the worst part about that is that when you see their their you know their more their you know that they've died in yeah. in, in a publication, mm -hmm. they don't even talk about them. Th this was their stage name. This is how many movies they've done. This is what they were known as. No. And then the industry makes. They glorify it, so they like okay. This is a this is a great time to to optimize on the momentum of them being dead. So let's make a best of. Let's make a highlight reel of all their films. And all of a sudden, this person that took their life because they were so overwhelmed with their shame and their their guilt that the industry makes a mockery of it. And you see that their names are in the top ten most viewed list, and they just took their lives two weeks ago. And that happens over and over and over and over again. And it's absolutely sick. You know, 30 women probably who've taken their lives in the industry that you personally knew. I can't even think, I, I'm struggling right now to even think of a couple of people I know. And I mean, the, the reality is like in, like in my life, um, they, they, they didn't, so roommates of mine, I had three roommates, two of them are dead. And... Yeah. And neither were suicide, but they were living a life mm -hmm. that wasn't indicative of them having any value. Like one was drunk to the point where they fell off a balcony in Mexico and died. Mm -hmm. And then the other, he was, he was base jumping, but he, like, he didn't care. Like he, he wasn't taking precautions because he didn't care. So, um, and I just want to speak to the the person listening who is still, you know, engaging in pornography, watching pornography, purchasing pornography, you know, committing this act of, of voyeurism, which is, is what it is, um, and participating with this sex trafficking and exploitation of humans made in the image of God. I mean, can you speak to that, that person listening right now um, who, who continues to say pornography is no big deal? You know, there are no really no victims uh, with pornography. Everybody is, is consenting and they're, they're all adults. Yeah. I mean, just, just the, the truth that there's, there's stuff on the internet that I was in still and people are watching it. And I, I don't want, I don't want you to watch that. Like, so consent, like, does it have a timetable, you know? Um, but, but also like people, are not products and that's how Thank you're you. treating them. You're treating people like products and you're treating sex like it's a transaction. And if you treat people like products, it's going to impact your life in a lot of ways mm -hmm. because you're going to start having friendships where you believe, okay, well, if you don't have any value that can, you can give to me, what good are you to me? So all of a mm -hmm. sudden I, I don't have integrity. I'm not a good friend. I don't show up. And then if, if I'm in a relationship and I believe that I can consume that content and it not impact my life. I'm fooling myself. Like, like that's exactly what Satan wants you to believe. Because if, mm -hmm. if, if, you, if you can give him an inch, he's going to take a mile. And what happens is, is you watch the porn and then all of a sudden you, you respond to a message that you shouldn't have responded to. You acknowledge, uh, you know, uh, you engage in a conversation that you shouldn't have engaged in. You accept a photograph that you never should have accepted. You extend a photograph that you never should have accepted. All of a sudden you, you, you go on the lunch that you've never should have went on and it goes on and on and on because what it does, it, bur it blurs boundaries. I yeah. love my son. So I tell him not to touch the stove. God loves us. So he puts boundaries in place so that we will not get hurt. 
Uh, John 14, 15 says, you know, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Mm -hmm. And it's not if you love me, it's if you love me, you'll obey my commandments because I don't want you to get hurt. Right. And when we we try to create our own autonomy and we try to do whatever we want, we end up getting hurt and other people getting hurt over and over and over again. So that's what it does. It it distorts reality because you watching that pornography, it's it's like a Jackie Chan like fight scene. It's not real. It, it's you know there's two people that are there, but there's editing, there's a director, there's makeup, yeah. there's you know there there's so on and so on and so on. So it's like you you you're looking at something that transpired over a three hour period that's cut down to 20 minutes and it's a highlight reel of what, what happened. And it's not, it's not anything remarkably close to intimacy. It's fake. It's fake. Like, like more often than not, the guy doesn't want to be there. The girl doesn't want to be there. The guy has to take some kind of, you know, erectile dysfunction medication yeah. and, the, and the girl needs to take, you know, she's using stuff and on and on and on. But I, I say all that to say, it's not real. And then those two people are real people, though. Real people made in the image of God. They're real breaking people. themselves down to nothing. Yeah, and it's like that. Like that's someone's brother. It's someone's sister. It's someone's daughter. It's someone's son. It's, it, it's someone's mom. It's someone's dad. They're people. They're people. And you are saying, well, their value is indicative of something I'm just going to consume. So like the pornography industry, like you can say whatever you want about the performers. The industry doesn't exist without the consumer. Consumption drives demand. If there was no consumption, there wouldn't be a demand for it. Yeah. Josh, I want you to take a couple of minutes and take me back to that moment when you decided to leave the industry why did you leave and how did you leave yeah so i i had done a scene that um i traveled i'd done a scene and i was thinking about taking my life and i i didn't know how i was going to do it and i was contemplating like okay i don't think i have the guts to like cause like physical harm to myself mm. um and just and that was that was going on for about three months. This every day, like every time I would every time I would work, I was like, okay, how am I going to do it? And um, I, I had this check, and I was ashamed of what I did because on the memo of the check it said what the movie was called, and it was always called something grotesque. So oh, I, I, I didn't want to like walk and hand it to a teller. So I would always go to the Dropbox or the ATM, but that wasn't an option this day. And I walk across and I slide the check across. Hey, do you have your, your account number? No. Swipe my card, punches it in. Um, you want it in your checking or whatever, you know, and, right. and then finish the transaction, hands me a receipt and I, and I go to walk away and she says, Joshua, are you okay? Joshua, is there anything I can do for you? And and there's two things in that moment, and it, it's it's such divine intervention. So number one, I had isolated myself from so many people for so long that I hadn't heard my real name in over a year. Hmm. And my name means God saves. Hmm. And I didn't realize that at that time, but in that moment, like I have chills right now just thinking about it because it broke my numbness. Because nothing mattered. So nothing mattered. So even though my mom, it, like multiple times a week, would call and text and call and text, I wouldn't, I wouldn't respond. I wasn't responding to my mom because I knew what was on, was on the other end of the line. Because if my mom was mad at me or, or told me like, oh, you, you know, I can't believe you're doing this. She never said that. She's like, I love you. You're so much better than that. Just come home. Just come home. I love you. Please just come home. That that narrative never changed. Yeah, I, I hear my name and then I I just I just run home. I run home and I'm weeping and I'm crying and, and I call my mom. 
you know, and I, and I tell her I'm coming home and I, oh I pick up gosh. the phone and I quit and I pick up the phone. And I'm like, you know, I, I, I call my agent and I, I quit and I called my PR person and put out a press release and I, I quit and I, you know, ran home to my mom. But a lot of people um, that I've told my story to, it's like they, they missed a part. Where they think like I, I left the industry and all of a sudden became a pastor. And it's like, like, well, maybe I could have went and got like a certificate online to do something like that. But like, that, no. that's it's not uh, how it works. <laughs> right. Um, but so, actually, so I'm going to circle back to that bank tellers yeah. because this really, um, I, I'm struck by this. Yeah. This ministers to me as a believer who is praying for opportunities just yeah. in my daily life in my walk with God, opportunities to minister to others, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to reach people who are broken. You're telling me that after years as a well-known, successful male porn star, that a bank teller who simply uttered your name and said, are you okay, is all you needed to leave weeping, call your mom and say, I'm coming home. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we need to let that sink in for a minute. Yeah. All of the opportunities that we have on a daily basis to just show up and say someone's name and express concern and say, I care about you, or how can I pray for you? How many missed opportunities have I had in, in a, in a week because I was busy reading some message on my phone, thinking about other things and not looking for that low hanging fruit. Yeah. And now you're leading people to the Lord right and left with your testimony because a bank teller said, Joshua, are you okay? Come on somebody, let, yeah. this, let this cut you right now. Let this cut you that you have opportunities on a daily basis that are not being captured lord convict us and help us to look for these opportunities to pray for them and to grab a hold of them yeah it like i i preached on uh colossians 4 recently and it's like everything that you just said i was like that sounds so familiar i was like yeah that's it because colossians chapter 4 verses 2 through 6 paul is literally in prison praying for the opportunity to, to preach the gospel because he but he was in prison for preaching the gospel and he's saying that we should be wise in how we walk towards outsiders and he's praying that we do you know we we have opportunities to preach the gospel and that we do it well and we do it with gentleness you know and and, and our speech let it be gracious and seasoned with salt so that we might know how we ought to answer each person and there's someone in your life that that it that is that each person and maybe it's something as simple as knowing their name because they feel forgotten or maybe it's someone that feels so broken and you just take the time to look them in the eye and really ask them if they're okay. Like not like, hey, how you doing? And then just keep walking. What if you look someone in the eye and said, hey, how are you? Yeah. You like, yeah. I, I needed that so bad because in a, in a world where I stood in front of thousands, like doing things that, you know, I won't mention, but it took someone to actually see me yeah. and ask me if I was okay. Because as far as you were concerned, you were property, you were a, a, a monetary transaction yes. for someone else. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yes. Mm -hmm. Elizabeth. Yes. Like that is how I felt. And that's how each and every person in that industry feels mm -hmm. because no one lives that life and lays their head down on the pillow and feels good about themselves. It doesn't matter how much money's in your bank account. It doesn't matter what car you drive. It doesn't matter how many followers you have on social media. None of that means Jack, when you lay your head down and it's real and you're, it's just you alone with your thoughts and you know that you're trapped in this life that you don't want to live and you just, you just want out, but you believe that there's no way out because your mistake how could you ever overcome that? Yeah, I mean, but we I just, know. Th th this should, this conversation right now should make the person the next time they are tempted to partake of pornography, this should just thinking about the, the lives 
um, the broken lives just wasted in the wake of this industry. It should make us want to vomit. I mean, we should yeah. just be sick by the brokenness and exploitation that is being caused. Hearing your story, I just, I believe with all of my heart that hearing your story is deeply impacting people who are so tired of not, um, not getting freedom in this area. And they are beginning to get begin to get sick to their stomachs every time the enemy tries to tempt them to partake in this this broken, exploitative industry. They're going to get sick, and they are going to detest it and no longer have a desire for it. Yeah, because I I truly believe that like like everyone has intrinsic value, and like well, you you could ask anyone regardless of their their worldview. Like, do you believe that every person has, you know, value? No, no one's going to say no. Like, does every person have value? When you watch porn, you rob people of their value because you're saying that their value is indicative of you consuming them like a product. So you're saying you don't value that person. So it's like if you really think about that as a human being, a daughter and a son, made in the image of God that's broken and they believe they have to continue making that decision because there's no other way that they can live because they don't believe that's what they do. They believe that's who they are. Right. Joshua, how do you cleanse your mind of the traumatic memories of pornography? Not just you as an individual, but those who have, um, who have watched pornography who are still being tormented by those thoughts and memories yeah i mean uh it's it's it comes from you know it sounds simple but it's true it's like you you need to get in the word if you know the if you uh, if you read the bible and allow it to penetrate into your heart because we we can see you know, in Romans 8, 1, it's like, you know, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Second Corinthians 5, 17, you know, that person that I used to be is dead. That person is dead. I'm now alive in Christ. And we're called to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. We're called to uh, renew our mind and fill ourselves, you know, and, and, and focus on things that are pure and honorable. So it's like, how do you do that? Well, you got to, rem- you know, you got to get the cookies out of the kitchen is what you got to do. You know, it's like number one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what you got. You got to take inventory. You got to take inventory of your life. What am I allowing in my life? What am I watching? What am I listening to? I have to take inventory of my life. Who am I allowing to have authority to speak into my life? Mm. Who Check my circle. Are the people in my life leading me in the direction that I want to go? If I'm mm-hmm. someone that says, okay, I am sick of this. I'm fed up. I'm not going to watch this anymore. I want to move in a different direction. I want to live a life that matters. I understand that Jesus died for me, and that means something because he died on the cross so that I could live, not yes. that I could, not so that I could go to heaven, so that I could live and make a difference and play a part in redeeming the earth. So what does that mean? That means I need to take inventory of my life. Now I need to set some boundaries. I need to make it more difficult to do the thing that I don't want to do. Because right, talk, that, up, talk about those boundaries for a minute. Yeah, so I mean, for 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 some people, it could be something as simple as, um, you know, not not taking your phone into the bedroom or bathroom. It could be something as practical as that. Or maybe it's, um, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, if I if I download this software, this and that. It's simple. If you have an iPhone, go to your uh, your settings go to screen time click it and then it'll pop up allow adult content say no and then set on the phone where you you have to set a code to get into the settings to change something don't know the code give the code to someone else right it's that simple if you don't want to pay for you know covenant eyes or or whatever else if you don't want to pay for software do that it costs you zero dollars to do that and it works unless you unless you can manipulate your friend you know but it and that works so i need to set boundaries um and then also like what are you watching 
because yeah. we like this culture is so sexualized it's in, it's impossible to watch anything on like netflix or or cable like every i feel like out of nowhere for no reason like just someone's having sex Hmm. And for me personally, even just seeing the advertised films going by yeah. can be a major stumbling block. Yeah. Like, I mean, for me, like I, it, it was like, I was going through this period where like, even if I went to the gym, like I would see a girl like dressed in like leggings or something. And right. I, like, with me, it's like, it wasn't like lust that I was struggling with. It was anger because I was so mad that I yeah. couldn't get away from it. Yeah. Like I was so angry that I couldn't get away from this. Like, gosh, like, why am I tempted by this? I love Jesus so much. And I just don't want to feel like that. But How did I you had, work through that? I had to change my mind. I had to change my mind. And I, and the more that I got to know God and the more that I understood that the his, that for, uh, the more that I understood his love for me, like the way that I like to explain it, it's like the, the, the deeper of your knowledge of God, the less attractive sin is. So for me, it's like, I had to dig into that and God just really had to work on me. Like I had to create the grace and the space for God to work on me. And it was through spending time with him through praying and fasting through like putting myself like in relationships with men who would say, dude, that's not okay. Yeah, You can't say that. And, and just being in it. So we, we called it hot conversations, um, honest, open and transparent every week would say, how are you doing? You know, how are you doing in your walk, your purity walk? How are you doing? How are you doing mentally? How are you doing emotionally? How are you doing spiritually? And we created a space where it wasn't surface level conversations. It was, well, you know, this happened and this is, and this is what I did about it because what you do is important, but if you want to change what you're doing, you need to know why you did it. Yeah. Like if you can get to the root of why did I say yes to clicking on that website when I knew in my gut that I shouldn't, why did I say yes to sending that text message when I knew it was wrong? Why did I say yes? And if you can get to that level, if you can get to the root, the fruit of that will be you changing your behavior. And for me, that was, I mean, it, it was, again, like it was a deep work over time that allowed me to, to be the man that I am now, but and it was going to happen overnight. Absolutely right. not. Absolutely not. So to the, the, let's say 16 year old young man yeah, who has had an encounter with God at church yeah. and he's gotten baptized and he's gone down to the altar and he's repented yeah. of his sin and he is so expectant that he is never going to have a lustful thought again. He's never going to be tempted to do pornography again. Yeah. And, you know, he's he's green. All right. Yeah. And he um, continues to get yeah. just bombarded and assaulted in this culture by sexual images and temptation. Speak to that young man who is discouraged that he fell again, that it didn't happen overnight. Yeah. I mean, we, we just celebrated Easter recently and, you know, some of the, some of the last words that Jesus uttered before he gave up his spirit was, um, to tell us die, right? It is finished. And if you are in Christ, sin no longer has any hold on you. If you are in Christ, sin does not have any hold on you. So you have the power dwelling within you to reject sin. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that to your point, um, I, I was, I was speaking at this conference and at, at the end of the conference, this guy kind of same, same idea, raises his hand. He's like, Josh, man, um, I, I gave my life to Jesus yesterday and I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure what that means, but um, I, I, I'm a guy. I, I'm, I'm not a virgin and I'm actually dating someone. And like, we like, what are we, what are we supposed to do? What am I supposed to, I'm a guy. What am I supposed to do? I had these <laughs> needs. I had these urges. And I was like, man, you just, you just gave me the answer. We all believe the lie that there's something outside of Christ that's going to satisfy you. <laughs> like that's the lie. Until yeah. you believe that Jesus Christ is the most satisfying, thirst quenching thing that's ever been and ever will be. 
you're going to believe the lie. There's something else that's going to fill that gap and fill that void. So I would say, friend, if you're in Christ, praise God. You will. You will fail. You will. You will stumble. You will fall. John 9, you know, John 16, 33 says, you know, Jesus talking, he's like, um, you know, I've told you these things so that you can have peace in me. You can find peace, but in this world, you will face tribulations. You will face trials. Things will happen that you don't understand. You will fall. You will hurt people. People will hurt you. Things will happen in the world that you don't understand. It's going to make you question if God is good. But then Jesus says, but you can take heart. For I have overcome the world. So Jesus has overcome sin, and he did that for you. And he did that because he loves you. And love is indicative of choice. So he chose to live a perfect life and die the death that you deserved. He chose the cross for you, and he wants you to choose him. So it's a choice. So if you understand how much Jesus loves you, it's going to make that choice so much easier. If you can I, I, understand, I'm sorry, I keep going. Finish. Yeah, I'm just like like that, like that's the answer. The answer is, man, because we are free in Christ, if you if you screw up and you will, pick yourself up and dust yourself off and keep it moving because you're not who you used to be. That person you used to be is dead. Yeah. That person you used to be is dead. And we have to grow in our maturity. We have to mature. But maturity doesn't happen by accident. It happens on purpose. So we have to take heed and say, okay, I'm going to live a life that matters. I'm going to live a life where I want to leave a legacy for my family. I want my yeah. kids to know that mom or dad, they lived a life that mattered. And it doesn't mean that you need to be on a podcast or you need to be a preacher or you need to write a book. But man, right. I served the Lord where I was and I was faithful. Because it's in the middle of that is where God moves on a daily basis. So, like, that's the answer. If you fall and you will, pick yourself up and know that there's grace for you. But, yeah. but fall forward. <laughs> Fail forward. Learn from your mistakes. Why did I do that? If you tripped over something, you're probably going to move it in your house. So do the same thing. If you tripped over something and made a mistake, don't trip over it again. Take the necessary right. precautions so boundaries. that you don't do yeah. it again. I find it interesting that you um, you say this man at this conference is saying to you, "But I'm a man." Yeah. As if as if that confession that he's a man dooms him to failure. Right. And actually, what he needs to be realizing when he says, "But I'm a man," is I made in the image of God, yeah. I'm a human, I'm not a beast. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I was just thinking about what I was reading the last few days in Jeremiah, where he actually judges them because he says, you're acting like a bunch of neighing animals yeah. with your sexual immorality. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're not beasts. We are humans made in the image of God. And we are meant not to exploit people, but to love, honor, and cherish people and so his confession of hey i'm a man yeah. man that should that should bring conviction on him that should bring a greater determination uh, on him to walk in a way that is honoring toward women in his life yeah. right yeah i mean just just like a i think just having a, a right definition of meekness would, would allow us to understand like what a man is called to be it's like, you know, like a yeah. great, a great um, a, analogy or an illustration of meekness is take, you know, uh, you know, the mo most powerful horse, a wild horse, you know, like think about like the Anheuser-Busch like, like horse, you know, it's like got muscles on muscles on muscles. And this horse, they could throw you for a million miles, but mm -hmm. they, they are subdued by the master because they trust him. Mm -hmm. And it's like meekness is strength under control. So while you have the free will to choose to do whatever you want, we're mm -hmm. called to, you know, be a doulos, right? We're, we're called to surrender to the master because he loves us and his way is better. So we can choose to do the wrong thing, but the right thing leads to life. So good. 
So Joshua, you got out of the industry. Um, you, um, you gave your heart to the Lord and you went to, um, did you go to a Christian university? Liberty university. Did you go to yeah. Liberty? You went to Liberty University and then God began to use you to share your story, to speak to others, to minister the gospel. Now you find yourself on shows like Candace yeah. Owens and, you know, Tucker Carlson. Um, and what a, what a ride it has, has been for you. You're married and you have how many children? Three. Yeah. What, what Three I love about children. my story that I didn't get to share, but it's like, um, so like my story in a nutshell is like, uh, the Trinity of hope, if you will. Um, because I, 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 after I leave the industry and I run and hide and, and, and lie for two years, didn't tell it. I lied to everyone I met. And then finally, after I kept lying and kept getting found out because I couldn't really run from a thousand movies online, I couldn't run from that. So I finally right. go on this, this, I asked this girl on a date, she said no. And then, and then she said, well, I'll go on a run with you. And I was like, whatever, whatever you say. And I go on this run. And when I was waiting for her to go on this run, she um, I just felt guilty. It's like, man, you need to tell her the truth because I had hurt badly many people because i withheld the truth from them you know trying to trying to date girls or or just be friends or, or even workplaces and then the truth would come out and it would hurt people because i withheld the truth and i was like i'm not going to do this to this person if she slaps me she leaves whatever i'm just going to be honest and i told her i'm like hey um i i did a bunch of porn and i've done all this stuff and i'm a terrible person and she looked me in the eye and said well i want you to know that a person's not defined by the worst thing they've ever done not the greatest thing they'll ever do god defines who you are do you know who god is and i was like yeah, yeah i believe that god is real i believe that he created everything absolutely she said well what's your relationship with jesus like what's your walk like and i was like i, I don't i i don't know and she's like, well, let me tell you, um, I've been a Christian since I was in high school, this and that, you know, this is what my walk looks like. It's not been perfect. You know, I, I'm a, I'm a work in progress. You know, we all are to a certain degree. This is the church that I go to. Uh, and then all of a sudden we're talking about tacos, you know, the, the conversation shifts. And, and then uh, the next day after we've been texting all day, we're like, Hey, do you want to go to church this weekend? I was like, sure. Um, why not? You, you know, you cultivated this curiosity in me and you didn't condemn me because of what I told you. And I walked in that church and I heard the gospel and the, the name of the church was hope community church. And the girl, her name was hope. And she led me to the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. And that girl wow. has been my wife for six years and we have three beautiful boys wow. together. So Wow. You've been married only for six only years. Only six years, yeah. And you've already got three children. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow, you guys yeah, so are so yeah, busy. Yeah, they're uh, three and a half, two, and uh, Judah will be eight months on the oh. 25th. Oh, that's such a hard season. Oh, Can yeah. I tell you, it gets a lot a lot better. <laughs> yeah. and I A little encouragement from a mom of 10 yeah. here. That's the hardest season by yeah, far. And, and like... I, wow. I love it because um, Cannon and Lincoln are, are, are two oldest and like they've become like best pals. But I don't know, like Link, Lincoln, our two year old, you know, the middle, he, he's got like the iron fist. Like he doesn't, he doesn't put up with much, but um, right. it, it's just so neat. It's just because wow. because what Praise God, God did for me is he, you know, he literally did exceedingly abundantly more than I could ever, I could ever hope and imagine because. I did not believe right. that I would ever be a husband. And I sure as heck right. didn't believe I would be a father because I didn't wow. know. I was like, I never had a father. I never had a, any kind of male influence in my life. How could I ever be that? And when Cannon yeah. was born, um, when Cannon was born, I walked over. He had just been born. You're wiping him off. And he looked, you know, uh, you know like weird and slimy. And I was just like, ah. <laughs> and they were like, you can touch him. And I, I reached my hand out to, you know, I don't know what I was going to do. I just like reached my hand in his direction and he grabbed my finger and like, like I felt how much God loved me in that moment. And like God said to me, it's like as much love as you feel in your heart right now, it's not even close to how much I love you. Right. And like my life was never right. the same, you know? Um, the father's love, yeah. you understood on a whole nother level. And it was like the father I always wanted 
I always had. I just didn't know. Right. Amazing. Yeah. Josh, let the viewer know uh, how they can um, just get in contact with your ministry. What's the best way to uh, follow you and um, really just stay in touch with how God is, is using your story? Yeah, so I am... Joshua Broom is my social media across the board, and the best way to get in contact with me is um, on my website, and that's joshuabroom.me, M-E. But um, yeah, like that, 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 that's what we're doing, and I'm really, really excited about this, uh, this search course that me and a few other ministers put together. Um, it's called Search. Okay, tell us about Yeah, that. so it's called Search. So um, myself and Richard Delamora, put together a men's course and then um two two uh two women so Brittany Delamora and Yamalexa Fernandez oh, put together she's she's also yeah. she's also a former yeah, porn yeah. um industry yeah and it's so neat that like uh, we so we were in the industry at the same time and, but like no way. and then like we so she so she was like you know she was kind of like doing like what I wanted to do it's like man it's like man you're you're telling people about Jesus like, let me get on the phone with you. And, you know, I try to get in contact with her and I end up on the phone with her husband and like me and her husband are like best of best of friends. Oh, and uh, this is after you were saying, yeah, yeah, saying yeah. This is, yeah, this, that yeah, this was... is several, several years later. Um, yeah. So, right. I mean, this is so like cool. over a decade later, but, um, that's awesome. I'm so glad y'all yeah, are yeah, together. So, yeah, we, What's the name of the course? Yeah, the cert, the, 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 it's called search. So it's time, it's time to stop okay. searching and start living. Um, but it's, it's available on love always ministries.com. Um, yeah, okay. so, uh, it's a, and then what's neat about the course. So it's what is porn? Why is it bad? What does repentance look like? What does walking in freedom look like? And then what does, um, seeking out a, like accountability look like and why is it important? So it, it's, it's, you know, a systematic process and what I love, it's like men teaching men and women teaching women. Wow, this course is so critical right now. Um, we are in a crisis yeah. like never before in our nation. And this course is something that um, I really want to encourage. Uh, I have been following both Joshua and the other woman he's mentioning, Brittany, and her husband, who are also ministers of the gospel. And these are solid ministers of the yeah. gospel, all of these people that I'm recommending to you. Um, and I want to encourage everyone. What is the name of the website to reach the course? Again? Uh, love always ministries.com. Thank you so much, Joshua, for coming on the podcast. Everyone, please share this podcast with others, uh, tag your friends, make sure you subscribe to conversations with Elizabeth Johnston and make sure that you connect with Joshua, follow him on all of his platforms. God bless you all. Thank you so much for watching.